What is up, everybody? Happy Friday. And Trader Jerry has awoken. Happy New Year to Mariners fans, y'all. Trader Jerry's up. We're ready to record. We're recording. He made two very big trades that everyone, including myself, seems to think are going to lead to something bigger. So, welcome back to On the Diamond and Into the Deep. I'm Mahal, as usual, and let's get into these trades. Let's go. Alright, so, if you didn't already hear, the Mariners have made two big trades. The first broke around, I think, 11... 40 a.m., 11.35 a.m. Pacific time, and Jeff Passan broke it, as usual, as the GOAT himself does, and the trade was as follows. The Mariners sent former Cy Young winner Robbie Ray, starting pitcher, to the San Francisco Giants for starting pitcher Anthony DeSclafani, who we'll get into first. And former Mariner, Mitch Haniger. So, I mean, let's just get into this one to start. We'll get into the trade with the Rays after, but welcome back, Mitch. I mean, first reaction, of course, is what is happening? Where did this come from? Why did this go through Jerry DePoto's mind? What prompted him to do this? But right after that, my thought was, oh my god, Mitch Haniger is back home. He's back in a Mariner's uniform. The one he belongs in. I think every Mariner's fan remembers game 160, game 161, especially game 161 of 2021. The home run he had, the clutch base hit he had, the call from Dave Sims, that was the epitome of Mitch Haniger as a Mariner. And we know what we're getting with Mitch Haniger. We are getting a dude who, when healthy, is unbelievable. He is an unbelievable hitter. But he struggles to stay healthy. And that's been the case his entire career. He struggled again last year after struggling in 2022. But in 2021, when he was healthy, he posted an OPS of 804. He slugged 485 with a 3818 on base percentage and a batting average of 253. None of that is the best part, though. That year, he had exactly 100 RBIs, he had 39 home runs. And he had almost 700 plate appearances playing in 157 games. It is unfair to expect him to do that again. He's played 157 games twice in his career. And he has had a seven-year career. And he's hit, he's hit 157 games twice. Those are also the only time he's hit 100 games. So, 
similar to the other Mitch on our team now. The question is whether he'll stay healthy. But when healthy, Mitch Hanniger hits. And Mariners fans know that. I don't think I need to say that. He will get RBIs. He'll be a middle-of-the-order bat. And he'll play in the outfield about about as good as Teoscar Hernandez was last year, maybe. Which, you know, isn't great. But when you've got Julio in center field, the amount of space and coverage he has in that outfield, it makes up for all that. So it's not a big deal. Right? But again, if Mitch Hanniger stays healthy, he would be an impact bat. But you should not bet on that. And I don't think the Mariners will. I think, as DePoto said in his press conference this afternoon, he said, we're going to talk to Mitch. We've already talked to Mitch. And we believe we'll get as many games as we possibly can in right field out of him, out of his body. And if that's not that many, I think that's part of the reason they just traded for the dude they just traded for from the Rays. And I think these two trades perfectly go in tandem together. And I fully expect another move out of DePoto. And this move, I expect the next one to be a big move, right? I think another impact of Hanniger is thinking about Garver, thinking about the DH position, right? Let's say Mitch number one now. Mitch Garver, let's say he does get injured. But let's say Mitch number two is still healthy. Boom, there you go. Fill the DH spot. What this move does is it increases your floor while also increasing your ceiling. But the the important part of that is the floor because it adds depth to a Mariners team that needed depth. They needed outfielders, especially right-handed hitting outfielder, and that's what Mitch will provide when healthy. But that is when he's healthy. Also, Mitch Hanniger will provide a clubhouse effect and a clubhouse leadership that was missed with him gone over the past year. He was he was in San Francisco for one year in 2023, and he played 61 games. One year he was gone from Seattle, and Jerry DePoto already realized he needed to bring him back. He's an important, a crucial leader in that clubhouse. And Robbie Ray will be missed. He will. And we'll get into that later as we get into this Disclafani. But let's think of the positive. Mitch Hanniger is back. And that's exciting. That's extremely, extremely, extremely exciting. And we know what he brings when he's healthy. And hopefully he'll stay healthy. Let's get into what we lost next. So we obviously lost Robbie Ray. And Robbie Ray was a big signing for us. Coming off of the 2021 season, a year in which we won 90 games, but we needed to improve during the offseason. We needed to increase our floor. We needed to increase our ceiling ceiling so that we could break the drought in 2022. And what did we do? We broke the drought. We signed Robbie Ray. We broke the drought. He helped us do it. And he's a ma- he was a massive leader in the clubhouse and for the team. And he's gone now. And that's sad. That hurts. But the contract wasn't great. Why the Giants were willing to take on that contract, that is beyond me. But for all Mariners fans care, for all we care, it's fine, right? And overall in this trade, it didn't free up any money. 
because the Mariners also got $3 million in cash considerations. It kept your payroll where you needed to be at while increasing your floor and increasing your ceiling. And you might ask, how does it increase your floor? Blah, 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 blah. But having Mitch Haniger and Disclafani, who I'll talk about in a second, that does increase your floor. Haniger gives you a fourth outfielder that potentially will increase your ceiling really high and will potentially be very impactful. But it adds a fourth outfielder who you somewhat know what you're going to get. You're going to get a clubhouse guy. You're going to get a guy that will hit when he's healthy. He might not be healthy, but I think it's pretty safe to say it adds a bat to a team that needed bats. It makes your team better. You needed any bats. You needed any depth. And this increases depth by adding a dude that might be better than what you already had and forces those guys to be where they really should be. Cade Marlowe, Deloach, Trammell, any of those guys, those should be depth pieces. Dylan Moore shouldn't be starting in the outfield 50% of the games, 40% of the games, 30% of the games. He shouldn't be platooning with someone. And I'm not saying Scott Service, Jerry DePoto were going to necessarily do that, but that was a real possibility when you needed someone to platoon with those guys. And now you don't need to force that. And that's important. Now, talking about Desclafani. 2021, Desclafani was very good. He was a quality four. Maybe even you could debate a three. Probably a four. He had a whip just over one, almost two. He had two complete games. He threw... How many innings did he throw? 167 and two-thirds innings. He had an ERA of 317. He started 31 games. He struck out 152 guys. He walked 42. And he was a solid four, maybe three. If you're the Mariners and you believe that in 2022 and 2023, he was not as good because of injuries, which is a reasonable guess, as he was battling injuries both those years, and you believe you can get him back to that 2021 form, which I don't doubt they can. We know what the Mariners can do. We've seen their pitching farm. It is a factory. They just push pitchers to be better, and they are better. The Mariners know how to find what they need. They need know how to make pitchers better, and I think that'll probably happen with DeSclafani again. DePoto said, and originally coming out of this trade, people were speculating, is a Wu or Miller trade coming? Yada, yada, yada. DePoto said they don't like what they could get for that, and that means that probably they've talked to teams, and teams aren't willing to give up the two bats or whatever that the Mariners want, and probably what the real value of both those starters would be. So if they can't get that, it's understandable, right? It's extremely understandable, and I understand that from Jerry's perspective. But in getting Desclafani, it opens up the possibility to do that, and it opens up a lot of depth for that starting rotation. Almost never do you get a rotation where all five guys pitch every start that year. There's always going to be an injury. 
always, always, always. Not necessarily a long term, but guys will even just miss starts here and there. And having a guy like De Sclafani, who has been in the league, who you can just stick in your bullpen until you maybe need him, almost like a flexing role, but a dude that's going to be better probably than flexing, especially if you can work your magic on him, then there you go. That fills a need for depth in the starting pitching and decent quality depth. Let's get into the more specific stuff, all right? When looking at his savant, looking at his pitches for the last couple years, let's com- we're comparing 2021 to 2023. Because in 2022, he didn't throw as many innings. He only threw 19 innings. He almost threw 100 innings. He threw 99 and two-thirds innings this year. So we're going to compare that to his 2021. All right. When looking at his pitch breakdown, right? He is a slider fastball guy. And he got away from that a little bit this year, which is interesting because he was successful throwing heavy slider first, then four seam, then sinker. This past year, he was a heavy slider guy, heavy sinker guy, and the four seam was only thrown a little bit. It was thrown closer to what the changeup was thrown this year. Which is interesting because he went away from what was successful for him. Now, obviously, things change, but let's think about why possibly that's not successful. Let's look at break first, okay? Starting with that fastball. So, drop wise, he had less drop this year. Or less drop in 2021 than he did in 2023 by 1.2 inches of drop. All right. And that's not a big deal either way. I don't think that's going to really be an indicator. And neither will the break on it. And the break was a little bit different. He had higher break this year. And maybe what he needs to get back to is having a little bit flatter of a fastball. Because that's what was successful for him. That's what works. So get back to what was working for you. Don't change what was working. That's never going to be successful. You never want to do that. Now let's look at his fa- his uh, slider. Drop-wise. Not a massive difference. 1.3 inches of drop more in 2021. All right? And that can be a big deal because he did struggle to do quite a few things this year. He struggled to get any sort of chase, any sort of whiff. The whiff was a massive, massive miss compared to what it was in 2021. When looking at the two years, let me get it. The chase rate is incredibly different. All right. 47th percentile in 2021, the 28th in the league in percentile of chase rate in 2023. But an even bigger deal is looking at 2021's whiff rate compared to 2023's whiff rate. It went from 33rd to 8th percentile. All right. And I can't take credit for this next thing, but I was listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast, and they mentioned the extension for him. He went 
20 percentiles down, according to Servant, in extension. All right. And maybe that is something the Mariners saw and they said, oh, maybe we can go fix this. Maybe he can get back to what he was. His entire career, he had been around the same spot for extension. And then all of a sudden this year, he dropped off a cliff. And they might believe that's due to injury. But either way, they're probably going to try and fix that. And if they do and he can get back to that four or five starter, then that's a great trade chip. That is a great, I mean, it opens up the possibility to trade one of the younger starters, maybe at the deadline. Maybe you're able to get more because the team gets more desperate. But this opens up, this whole trade opens up a lot of possibilities for what they can do. And I think that's where it's really important because the Mariners are obviously limited on budget and this kept your payroll the exact same. Everyone knows they're limited, all right? And by keeping this the payroll the same with this trade, again, you raised your floor, raised your ceiling, you made your team better. And this also opened up a lot of different avenues for you to go from here now. And when you pair it with the trade with the Rays, what comes next now probably? Probably um, making your third base position or your second base position better. And then you can really platoon Urias and Rojas, which is what you should be doing. You shouldn't be having both those dudes starting your infield. That should never happen. All right? So let's get into the Rays trade now. Now that we've finished with that Giants trade, as that was breaking, we also got news of a second trade that was bound to break sometime today. Rosenthal was first on it being worked on, and then being finished, passing, of course... Of course he was first. He's always first. And he's welcome back. Let's welcome him back. King Passin. King Passin. Y'all, he did it again. He broke it. And the Mariners acquired Luke Rayleigh for Jose Caballero. Goodbye, my sweet prince. Goodbye, Jose. I loved you, man. I love Caballero. The difference in what he brought compared to the rest of the team, the speed he brought, just the goofiness he brought by toying with the pitch clock or whatever else. He was such a fun player to watch until he dropped off a cliff in the second half. But we forget about that. We forget about that. Fond memories of Cabby only. All right? Fond memories only. So let's get into Luke Rayleigh because... This was a DePoto fleece job. Luke Rayleigh is 29 years old. He barrels the ball a lot. He hits for power. And he can run. 87th percentile in sprint speed. Knows how to run the bases. And he can also hit for power. He's got a strong arm out in left or right, wherever you want to put him. And he can also play first base. He had almost an even split playing in the outfield and playing first base this year. So again, this trade opens up another avenue. If you'd like to go trade Ty France, maybe, then you got a first base option. Or you could go sign someone like a Carlos Santana, another first base option. It's all about when you're limited, like the Mariners are, they're opening every possible avenue they can now. They're making their team better. And as DePoto said in this press conference, what's the next step from here? Making moves that you want to do, 
to get good players, not moves that you're forced into making because you don't have the money to supplement your team and make your team better. Right? And Rayleigh is a good hitter. Was this year a fluke? And I think that's the only worry with it. But he was worth quite a lot to that Rays team. He was worth 2.6 fan graphs war. He hit almost 20 home runs, hit 19 home runs, hit almost 250 at 249. And he had an OPS of... He had an OPS of 824. While playing first, he also pitched, which weirdly enough happened. But he played first, DH, and he played all the outfield positions. Not center very much. He's mostly a corner outfielder. But it's important. All right. He can move around. He will hit. When healthy, if he plays the whole season, he played 118 this year, and he hit 20 bombs over. Whole season, I think you can expect about 25 homers. About 25 homers, and you can expect expect about 20 stolen bases. He had 14 this year. He had an OPS plus of 126, which is one of the 100 scale stats, which means he was 26 above average in OPS. He strikes out a fair bit. He struck out 128 times, which was more than the games he played. And I think it was about, let's see, and it was 31% of the time. So after cutting down on strikeouts, now you're adding some strikeouts. But like I said at the start of this offseason, you can make up for that by adding dudes that will get on base and dudes that won't strike out as much. You can have a few dudes that will strike out quite a bit. But when you have three dudes striking out over what would be 200 times, that's when it becomes a problem. And Rayleigh would be one of those dudes if he plays the whole season. But I don't know if they're expecting him to. They're probably expecting him not to play every game this season. But it increases your floor. It adds a dude that you're going to get good at bats from. You're going to get hits from. You're going to get homers from. You can get stolen bases from him. It adds lineup possibilities. It opens off-season possibilities. It opens trade possibilities. It just opens up possibilities to do other things. And I like it. So we'll see what happens with it. Do we think he will be as good as last year? Maybe not. But that's what you're hoping for. He'll be in his age 29 season. And that's what you're hoping for. So I like the trade. I do. I think, but the, I think the important part of both these trades is, sure, you gave up Robbie Ray, but you're not giving up a whole lot to keep the exact same payroll and make your team better. You traded from strengths and got an area of need for you. You got outfielders. You got outfielders that you can fairly rely on to play quite a few games this season, right? So you increased it. I said this many times, but you increased your floor. You made your team better, and that's what's important. 
and I think an infield bat is your next step. Or is it a Randy Arozarena? It seemed like the Mariners were talking with the Rays. It seemed like the way the trade took a few hours to fully go through and fully be confirmed after first being broken by Rosenthal, it seemed like they were working on maybe adding a few other pieces to that. But it ended up just being exactly what Rosenthal reported. And I think, in my my own opinion, that it's fair to expect another trade with the Rays coming up soon. How soon? Who knows? But I would expect one coming up soon. And hopefully it's in the next few days. And hopefully we can get some big-time player. Hopefully we get an impact bat. Because although neither of these dudes are necessarily large impact bats, they increased your floor, they made your team better, but you still need at least one impact bat. Garver still is the only real impact bat that I think you've added this offseason. You've added dudes that will be good, dudes that will be important to your team, but neither of whom are necessarily impact bats. And Hanniger will be if he stays healthy, but that is a big if. As all Mariners fans know, that is a big, big if. And not necessarily knowing what we'll get from Rayleigh, but he hits the ball hard. He barrels it a good percent of the time. Barrels it 84th percentile in the league. So we like that. That's something that we like. And that's good. And hopefully he can put up a good season for the Mariners because they need that. But again, I like both these trades. And I especially like them in tandem. You're not giving up a lot. And you're getting dudes that make your team better. And right now, what does it feel like? Yesterday, it didn't feel like if we went into open d- opening day with our roster, it didn't feel like we could field a full team even out there. Today, though, I feel confident. Not necessarily confident, but I'd feel good if the season started tomorrow and we had to go in with the lineup we have now. I would feel good enough about it to not feel terrible. I think that's why this trade is important. That's why these trades are important. That's why today is a really good day to be a Mariners fan. And it has been a long offseason. And I don't think I've felt this good about the roster since before the Geno trade. But now I feel pretty good about the roster. And I also feel confident that with that 15 or 20 million that they probably have in payroll availability, they'll go get another dude that's going to make an impact. I don't see any way around it. They're going to go get their dude. I don't know who it's going to be. There's been talk that they're still in for Solaire. I don't know if I necessarily believe that. But if it is Solaire that you're adding, I don't know where in the world he's going to play. But that's not a bad problem necessarily to have. And maybe you're going to go trade. You're going to go get a third baseman or a second baseman. And God, I hope it's not Jonathan India. But... You have possibilities now, and there'll be something upcoming. There will be. I don't want anyone to think that this is the end of the offseason. There's still multiple months to go. There's still over a month and a half, almost two months, till pitchers and catchers will report. It's it's game time, guys. Offseason, it's, it's time. It's game time. The hot stove is ready, and DePoto has arisen from his slumber. 
and he's going to make another move soon. I don't have any sort of source for that, but that's just my gut feeling. Something's going to happen soon. Thank y'all for listening. I'll see y'all soon. Go Mariners. Super fun having a two-episode week. I love it. I can't wait to see what's next for this team, for this offseason, for Seattle sports in general. It's a big year. It's been a very good start, very good first five days. Happy Friday. Go Mariners. Peace, y'all.